to an Inward Authority discussion on salvation. It may be helpful to listen to the four-minute orientation episode. In this discussion, we will focus on what the Bible says about salvation and some personal experience. Salvation involves choices. God will not make the choice for me. I have to make it. It's my responsibility to seek, choose, and follow God. God does not make me move into salvation. I have free will, and I need to own my choices. I have to become convinced inwardly to follow new spiritual principles that can rescue me from destruction. For now, let's focus on how receptive we are to new information that may not agree with our understanding. God teaches us to be better in godly ways. God seeks to correct us into love and peace. Many of us do not want correction. Jesus provided much correction, instruction, and few give themselves over to it as the disciples did. Acts 11.26 And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So the disciples were first called Christians. And these Christians were training to be more like Jesus. That's what Christians used to be. I found myself lacking in such development and began convincing myself to train more. I practiced convincing myself through looking at the instructions and demonstrations longer. I looked longer to let it settle inwardly with my mind and heart. I heard once that whatever you believe, you're right. Let's discern carefully for ourselves the difference between closed and open-mindedness. Are we willing to evaluate ourselves to see if we have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Are we humble enough to be corrected by God, the Spirit, and what the Bible says? Discuss with your group or answer for yourself whether you are a growth or fixed-minded person. Then share an example of why you think that. What do others think about your mindset? Many will not be able to accept the truth when it is hard to hear, especially truth which goes against common belief. Doing things differently can feel awkward. Try doing something where everyone will see your choice as awkward. See how it feels for you and others and keep doing it. We can learn a lot about our inward struggles if we do something like this. One time when I was uh, facilitating a program with kids, there was a kid who would frequently test limits. The behavior system was not working. After suspensions, talks with parents, and many other things, I sought to apply compassion and giving. I wanted to see what the kid wanted. That didn't help either, but it did help with the other kids who watched my responses. There was shock in their faces. I had switched from the guy who would provide negative consequences to someone sincerely caring and trying to help. Someone willing to give. Although it did not help with the individual student's behavior problem, it did help with other students and how they saw me. The person they saw as the bad guy who brought consequences, negative consequences, had now changed to demonstrate concern with compassion and empathy. Their attitude toward me changed, and that helped me better understand the power of God's spiritual goodness. I had to participate in a different behavior to experience the results, the spiritual results, relational results, and how that felt. And that helped me understand more about the spiritual kingdom. So this kind of reminds me of two styles of teaching about God. There is the turn or burn kind of preaching where Bible teachers will 
speak about going to hell. Then there is the God loves you as you are kind of teaching. I believe they are both right. God is love, so of course God loves. God commands us to love. If we choose to hate and resent, God may not withhold the consequences that come from that. Being in wrath, burning with anger, dead in misery, empty and alone, maybe like hell. Maybe it is hell. And we can choose this process of development. James 1, 14-15 But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Let's agree this is a process that develops over time. And we can reverse this development over time by turning it around in pursuit of God's goodness. We can do like Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This can entice desire to do godly good. After some repetition and practice of godly good, it can give birth to saving grace. And when that grace is full grown, it can bring forth salvation. Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's think about the descriptive words of Jesus. Gentle, lowly in heart, and rest. Do these words describe the manner and character we seek? Do we pray for the development of such things? Proverbs 25, 15. By long forbearance a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. A gentle tongue breaks a bone. This is a spiritual power in being gentle. Think about this. Explain how a gentle tongue can break a bone. How can forgiveness and mercy be powerful? How can patience and kindness be powerful? How is being humble? beneficial. Please share experiences whenever possible. To walk with God and with our guiding and teaching Holy Spirit from God, we will need to listen. If we go throughout our day not listening for spiritual guidance, how can we be following Jesus or God's ways? To follow, we need to look at the demonstration and do likewise. Ever play the game, follow the leader? To follow the leader, is to do what the leader does. Read John 15 and learn from Jesus what to do. We will need to have a flexible mind to follow and go as the instructions and demonstrations teach us. We need to commit to look, learn, and do likewise. If we hold too tightly to our current belief that may be inaccurate, we will be unable to accept new truth that is more correct. To grow inwardly with God means we need to accept ideas that guide us to transform. When the world was reported to be round, people would not believe it. When men learned to fly, people would not trust it until they could see it. The information did not fit with their beliefs. They had to be convinced. They had to experience it themselves. So, too, as we learn God is right here, right now, Offering salvation, we may be slow to accept it. Seeing is believing. 
seeing it as one way to gain experience. Let us see slowly and repeatedly Scripture teaching us about salvation and make sense of what it says. Let us participate through practice and instructions and give attention to our senses to experience the spiritual results. Repetition is a necessary process to be convinced of new ideas. The more we hold on to something, the more evidence we need to be convinced differently. When I was facilitating groups with substance abusers, the denial was a wall which interfered with opportunity to recover. Such people needed to look closer at how their way of life was destructive. I once did a family intervention. The whole family would share about how they had been hurt by the behavior and choices of the substance abuser. They offered a choice of either recovery or no longer being part of the family. This choice is not an easy choice. Addiction is just one example of many things that we can cling to. This denial exists within all of us around our sin. Rarely are people humble enough to honestly and thoroughly see their faults. For now, just bookmark this idea that some of our thinking may try to convince us to look away from godly correction. Something to think about. Read 1 John 1, 5-10. through 10. And then think about these questions. Do we have room to grow with God? Can we apply ourselves to improve in Christ-likeness? Write down one way you can grow and then share it with someone. Hebrews 2.3 How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Let's make this a personal journey. Let's view the Bible as our life manual. Perhaps God breathed information into the writers of the Bible for all of us to trust and trust through action. Perhaps we are to follow Jesus as Jesus demonstrated with the same diligence, focus, and examples as the apostles. Perhaps there is absolutely nothing wrong with the instructions, but everything wrong with how we are learning them. Perhaps a new way of learning could be better. It takes an objective thinker to see the objective truth. It takes a humble person to see their faults. It takes a willing and dedicated student to learn. And it takes a patient listener that is digging in as an investigative reporter to really understand. Experience teaches better. Imagine describing church to someone who has never been. How well can we really understand the feel and sense of a church experience in a two-minute description? But if we go and experience it, even see just a few photos of it, then we can get a much better understanding. Jesus teaches us to experience God. Salvation comes through seeking, learning, following, correcting, trusting, and obeying. We can accept God's ways, a renewing of our minds, cleansing of our conscience, purifying our hearts, and transformation of our souls. As we read the instructions, we can make it a goal to do what they say. Through trial and error, through conversation, and through much learning, we can practice and train ourselves to better understand peace, love, truth, sincerity, gentleness, justice, and being humble. 
Matthew 18:15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. As we read scripture on salvation, let's try to apply it inwardly with our own experience. Are we experiencing it? Let's personally relate to it. Let's think how we can personally put it into practice. Like Matthew 18, 15. Psalm 149, 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Beautify the humble with salvation. Pause here and pray for a humble mind and heart. Are we humble? Could we be more humble? How hard are we trying to think and be humble? Here are some questions to think about and discuss. Describe being humble. How can we humble ourselves? How can we tell when others are humble? How is being humble helpful? I recommend doing a concordance study on stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Some words that have to do with being humble in the Bible are supplication, contrition, or contrite, lowly, and meek. We can learn what God is trying to teach us about being humble through experience. We can go there into a humble state and really get to know it. Read Matthew 5, Beatitudes, with this in mind. We can begin each day with humbling ourselves if we choose to do it. This can be a spiritually powerful exercise if repeated daily over time with sincerity. We can imperfectly progress with God. Let's look at the word salvation and let's see how it is defined. At BibleHub.com, the Hebrew word for salvation is defined as deliverance, rescue, salvation, safety, welfare. The Greek is defined very similarly, almost the same, or maybe it is the same. Deliverance, salvation. And there's an example. God's rescue, which delivers believers out of destruction and into his safety. So looking at this example, uh, there's two things. One, they're delivered out of destruction. Okay, that's one. And then the other, into his safety. Now that's something to think about, into his safety. So it's important to really look at, well, what is God? What is God's safety? And we can be in it. And for me, in my experience and research, it all boils down to how much is my inward being, my heart, mind, soul, strength, how much of that am I aligning with God's goodness, righteousness, grace? character, principles, statutes, how much of my inward being is aligning with God's ways? Because this I have found to be God's safety. Think about this and read Psalm 119. Salvation is an ongoing choice. We can be delivered from destruction and we can go back to it. Matthew 6.13 And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus teaches this prayer to be delivered and to pray for it privately each day. Deliver us from the evil one. Salvation is a process where we choose good over evil, believe in it, and act accordingly. 
Our pursuit of loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength seems to be the path of salvation. New King James Version Romans 12, 9-21 is entitled, Behave Like a Christian, and begins with verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. These are instructions for Christian behavior. Let's think or share about this. I recommend reflecting upon and sharing about this repeatedly over time, evaluating our own character. How would someone need to think if they were to fulfill this instruction? What would we focus upon in order to cling to what is good? And how diligently would we focus in order to fit the definition of cling? Read Acts 7 for a recap on who God delivered from destruction. We choose where to go, what to learn, who to spend time with, and essentially everything we do. We choose for various reasons to convince ourselves what we do. We decide for ourselves what is important or worth our time and effort. We can live by faith and have success if we apply ourselves as the figures in the Bible apply their faith. I grew up in a world where money was king. Perhaps many of you know and relate to this. When I was instructed God needed to be my new king, I struggled. I was told things would happen if I just gave myself over to this simple process of cleaning up my wrongs and character defects while doing God's will. I had to see if it worked. So I did it, and it worked. I know I cannot cling to money or material things and cling to God's goodness. I have to choose one or the other. I cannot cling to a person and God's principles because people sin. God and God's goodness must always be what I love the most in order for this salvation experience to continue to grow. I need to set my mind and heart to love God and God's ways continually and make it the highest priority. I did not grow up with much money. I had more than some and less than many. I adapted to not having fancy toys, trendy clothes, and popularity. When I began my journey with God, I was 21 years old, broke, jobless, unemployable, no bank account, no car, no driver's license, and about to be homeless. But I found God and was content with that. This story is described in another episode. I have chosen continually to simplify my life for spiritual reasons and as a result have received many spiritual blessings. I believed I'm financially secure because I live humbly. I buy what's on sale and I invest wisely. In my 20s, I worked graveyard shift at a convenience store making minimum wage to help me get through college without a loan. I stayed the course. After getting my bachelor's degree in psychology, I became promoted to store manager. I meditated and reflected upon God and gave attention to spiritual good. I questioned, was this the path God wanted me to take? Was I to stay in retail because I could make more money there? I believed I was to work in social services. My heart was more in that direction. I chose to follow my spiritual senses. I quit and within a week or two I accepted a graveyard shift helping seriously mentally ill adults for much less money. I chose to follow what was spiritual instead of money. Others around me thought I was being impractical. 
being impractical has been a big part of my journey. I followed what I believed was right instead of what other people thought I should do. I gave myself over to the process of becoming a counselor. I began working two jobs while going to school for my master's degree. I obtained my master's degree, then another short extended degree in core counseling classes, passed a national counselor's exam, and became licensed in Arizona. I doubted my ability and believed I wouldn't be able to do it, but I learned that trusting God instead of my own thinking worked better. I could not have been successful without faith. I had to deny my understanding and trust in doing God's good. I learned not to trust in material, but instead what is spiritual. I denied my learned disbelief and followed what I believed was the right thing to do. The right thing is righteousness. I worked as a therapist for a couple of years and then started a business. My wife and I got an opportunity to move to California. I prayed and meditated a lot about this move, and we both agreed it felt right. A lot of talking went into this. So we moved to California, and my credentials did not transfer. I kept going to God for direction. I was very confused and felt lost. I was at a crossroads and didn't know it. I waited for guidance. Through a series of events, I felt led to begin a new journey. I felt led to teach about God and the Bible. I took a couple of classes in seminary to become a youth pastor. I was unemployed and seeking something part-time to work with kids. During a class, another student shared with me how his work had openings. There was a position available at a public school system to help with students that was 30 hours a week. Perfect. Some people refer to this kind of thing as a spiritual experience. Well, it felt right. I got this new job. This new job was very different than my old profession. It was highly disorganized and my position carried with it the pay grade of a custodian. Only to the schools, it felt like I was less important than the custodian. It was very humbling. I learned a lot about myself with this job. I went through a couple of years lost and confused, praying and searching for direction. I waited impatiently and resentfully. I had experienced a way to grow with God, but had no idea how to describe it. The more I tried to talk with pastors, the more I got the same results. I believed it had to do with experience. If I say Disneyland, people who have been there do not need a description. If I talk about confession, repentance, restitution with people who have not done it, they cannot understand. I felt stuck. How do I communicate with Christian church leaders who have not done these things? who have not practiced confession, repentance, and restitution, rigorous, honestly, sincerity, relying on God more than anything else in the world. How can, I, how can I reach people who have not done that? They just don't understand. Perhaps this is why it is said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. I'll get into more of this in the next episode, discussing quantifying salvation and the experience. I didn't want to create something new. I didn't want to lead anything. I'm an introvert, but all the information seemed to guide me to take the lead on what appeared to be a new method of Christian transformation. 
I humbly and remorsefully accepted the call to try to create this new transformation process. I let my credentials expire. I began researching the Bible and other things. I began to apply myself to new biblical instructions to understand them better, and it helped. Since about 2007, I have been studying and writing daily how to create this process. It's been a process of trial and error. I share more about this story in other podcast episodes. There is one requirement for this to work, and that is a willing participant to practice it each day, or most days, let's say. For more details, please listen to the podcast series on spiritual growth formula. When accountability comes, don't run away. We just need to regularly practice simple spiritual corrections within our thoughts, words, choices, and actions. It's not rocket science. Anyone can do this if they're humble enough, if they're willing enough, if they're devoted, if they have abandoned themselves to God like I was taught to do. It has to do with faith, belief, the faith of Abraham. And faith can grow through experience. Salvation can come through receiving God's grace into our being. And like in uh, Romans mentioned earlier, to abhor evil and cling to grace, I needed to cling inwardly to grace. But not everyone wants to cling to grace, to what is good, to what is right, to what is pure. We can confess our fears worry, resentments, complaining, blaming, impatience, intolerance, vanity, envy, idolatry, and whatever else blocks us from this grace, this God's love and peace. Confession with the willingness to accept renewal and trust in God's ways has been a part of this process. We can repent from such things through setting our hearts and minds increasingly upon forgiveness, mercy, compassion, humility, truth, and other godly ways. We can gradually improve in being more right with God. This has very little to do with intelligence. It has to do with experience and faith. If we choose to accept God's righteousness into our hearts and minds, then we will live more by that righteousness and experience spiritual results. I have found this to be the path of salvation biblically and experientially, and I have listened to hundreds of testimonies validating this belief. Please do a biblical concordance search on the words, those who, just put quotation, those who, quotation, and recognize the patterns. Read it. I mean, it'll be a series of verses, but read it and see what the patterns are. You might find that certain actions can bring about certain results. The path to salvation seems to involve learning and experience. In this series, we will be looking at verses describing salvation. 2 Corinthians 6.2 For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Thank you for listening. May God bless you with humility, strength, and courage to accept new spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm.